0: You're listening to the Crossing DE podcast from the Crossing in Milton, Delaware, a community dedicated to developing devoted followers of Jesus. All right, all right. Hey, everybody. You are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession that's pretty awesome right i hope you know that that's true we're continuing our sermon series today called the chosen uh, and we are three weeks in today's week three and if you've been keeping up and uh, that with our series you understood that first that you and i have been chosen that god chooses you by name he chooses you you are god's chosen people holy and dearly loved Last week, we, we understood that, that we are His chosen people, that He chose out of darkness and brought us into His wonderful light. We, we just sung about that, from darkness to light. And, and so we declare that. And Last week, we were, you were challenged to have a statement testimony, right? I, I was blind, and, and now I see. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. I was a phony, and, and now I'm family. And the thing that happened in between was him number three today jesus loves the little children all the children of the world red and yellow black and white they're, they're all precious in his sight jesus loves the little children of the world and so should we Episode 3 of the Chosen Television series is actually the one that hooked me. Uh, You see, it's not just a a cute song we learned in Sunday school, it's it's the truth. And in episode 3 of the Chosen Television series, which if you're tracking, you'll be watching this week, Jesus only interacts with children. I want us to get a little sneak peek today. Uh, just, just to kind of set the tone for the sermon. And so to set up this clip, we're going to see Abigail, a young lady, had stumbled upon Jesus' camp where he was staying outside of town. She was so intrigued by what she found that she went and got a friend, Joshua, and brought him back the next day. And, and after that, went and got a whole group of friends, and they spent a few days with Jesus. Jesus. And they did all kinds of things. They were, they were, you know, having some fun. They were fishing. They were collecting sticks for the fire. But the whole time they're having these conversations. And, and of course, like any kid, they're asking all kinds of questions. And Jesus answers them. And the clip we're going to see is the conclusion of their time together. Check this out.
1: I'm telling you this because even though you are children and the elders in your life have lived longer. Many times, adults need the faith of children. And if you hold on to this faith, really tightly, someday soon, you will understand all of what I'm saying to you. But you ask an important question, Abigail. What is my reason for being here? And the answer, is for all of you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.
0: Isaiah.
1: Isaiah. I have loved spending this time with you. You are all so very special. And I hope that my next students ask the same questions you do. And that they listen to my answers. I suspect they do not have the understanding you do. And I hope that when the time comes, they will tell others about me, like you have.
0: Good, right? I love that. Jesus and the kids. It's beautiful. And it's biblical. Let's get into the word, Mark chapter 10 today. It's just weeks before his crucifixion. And, and just like his custom in, in this culture back in the day, uh, parents are bringing their kids to the rabbi for his blessing. Mark chapter ten, verse thirteen. People were bringing little children to Jesus to uh, were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Little children are being brought to Jesus, and frankly, this is such a great lesson. In fact, if you were just going to check out for the rest of today, please don't, but if you, if so, you, you do, hear this. If this is the only thing you're going to hear today, do everything you can to bring your children to Jesus. These parents wanted the teacher. They wanted Jesus to bless their kids, but... Say but. Anytime I can get you to say but in church, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> such an important word in the scriptures, man. But the disciples rebuked the parents. The disciples of Jesus were preventing the parents from bringing their kids to Jesus. Now, I imagine they, were, they thought they were, this was part of their job, you know, cl- crowd control, kind of like the secret service. There's always crowds, you know, always around him. And hey, Rabbi's got an appointment and he can't stop for everybody, especially not kids. They're, they're so loud and she just picked her nose and they're not going to understand anything he's going to say. It's kind of the attitude in the first century. A child was considered an insignificant and weak member of society. They were unimportant and kids exemplified the least in society. And so the disciples, they rebuked the parents who were bringing them, these kids, to they shooed them away. Verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus saw what the disciples were doing and became indignant. He, he saw the whole scene unfolding and when he, what he saw, what his disciples were doing, he got angry. Like really angry. Incensed or enraged is another word for indignant. And so he gives the this, this, this disciples a command. He said, he said it in such a way that it demanded immediate obedience. Let them come. Get away from them. Leave him alone. Why was Jesus so mad about this? I mean, certainly they were acting with good intentions. I can think of a couple reasons, not the least of which was that they were misrepresenting Jesus, right? They were misrepresenting his heart and his mission and his kingdom. Another reason was they had just had a conversation about this. Literally, if you have a book Bible or your phone and you just go chapter nine of Mark, the gospel of Mark, they just had a conversation. Mark chapter nine, verse 37, Jesus says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me doesn't welcome me, but the one who sent me. He just got done telling his disciples, I love them. They're not insignificant. They matter. Kids matter. They have great value. They're a vital part of our world. So when you welcome a child, it's as though you're welcoming God himself. Then he gets real serious in the next few verses. In verse 42, Mark chapter 9, he says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Good night. Jesus said that. This is serious stuff. You see, he thought he explained it pretty well to his disciples of how he viewed children. And any of you have kids understand this, you tell them something, and four seconds later, they're doing it again. And Jesus is heated. And he tells them again, the kingdom of God belongs to them. Back to our text, verse 15. Jesus continues, Truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I'm talking to you, disciples. Again, you have to receive the kingdom like a child. It belongs to such as these. God's kingdom can't be earned, you can't qualify for entrance. No one can buy their way in. It's a gift that needs to be received like little children receive a gift, or else you're out. Verse 16, and he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Do you remember what the parents came asking of Jesus? I just want you to just, hey, would you put your hands on them? I love this. Jesus does immeasurably more. He picks them up into his arms, cradles them against his chest, embraces them, and puts his hands on them. And God in the flesh gives them his blessing. And in this moment, weeks before the crucifixion, the agonies of the cross laying heavy on his mind, Jesus stops what he's doing, stops the teaching, stops the walking, stops everything to love and care and bless and give great value to little children. For me, I think every time I read this story, it it stirs something in me greater than even calming a furious storm or even raising the buried dead. You see, Jesus loves the little children. Two things I want us to take away today, two principles we have to engage in. The first is this. Encourage families coming to Jesus. When Jesus tells the disciples not to hinder the parents and the little children in verse 14, it's a stern command. Stop it. That's how it comes out. Stop it. Don't keep them from me. This past week, I did a little quick, very scientific Facebook poll, and I just asked the question. (laughs) Took you a bit. I I just asked the question. Hey, what do you? What does the world, the Facebook world, think is is keeping children from coming to Jesus? I got all kinds of answers. um, Probably more responses than I've ever got on anything I've ever done. So maybe I'll do this again. Um, Some of the answers were sports schedules. They're just too busy. Right, it's not, it's not on the top of the list. Or seeing, seeing coming to Jesus more as a set of rules to follow as opposed to a relationship with God. Following Jesus isn't cool. There's so many distractions like phones and social media or the fear of not fitting in. If I follow Jesus, then, then I'm going to be different from everybody else. Or Satan was even an answer. But do you know what the most prominent answer was from the Facebook world The answer given more than any other answer as to what gets in the way of kids coming to Jesus? Parents. That the parents aren't following through with their God-given responsibilities and bringing their kids to Jesus. And I think most of the answers have some validity, but there's something in our text that jumps out that I hope is glaring to you. You see, in our text, in the Bible... The parents were bringing their kids to Jesus. And we have the attitude that parents aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Frankly, I think you're wrong. (laughs) It was the followers of Jesus who were hindering the kids from coming to Jesus, who were getting in the way. The very ones who were meant to be encouraging were hindering. Church, listen to me. Jesus loves the little children The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You and I ought never hinder parents and kids from coming to Christ. In fact, if you are, stop it. If you have that attitude towards parents because they're doing things differently from you, stop it. Jesus said it would be better if you had a large millstone hung around your neck and you were throwing the water to drown. I'm just saying stop it. (laughs) we got to learn from this encounter, Right? and decide right now to be an encourager encourage parents encourage little ones cheer them on pray for them encourage their relationship with the lord it's the most important thing don't get all discipley we tend to do that don't get disciple when you see when you hear kids making too much noise in the auditorium or, or when they're running around the auditorium or when you you crunch a goldfish under your foot Instead, allow that to bring you joy because of the strength of the kingdom of God in this place. We're all meant to encourage and help the next generation come to know and follow the Lord. My favorite passage about this is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses has just received the Ten Commandments. He gathers the whole nation of Israel to say, hey, here are the commandments of God. Here are the things that you need to know about so you can follow through. These are the things, and he says, they need to be on your hearts. And then verse 7, he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down and when you're at home and when you go along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols around your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them all over the door frames of your houses and your gates. Make the word of God and the commands of God the most important thing that you're always talking about. And I hold on to this passage. It so clearly helps me understand my role as a dad to impress the things of God on my children. However, Moses didn't just gather the parents together. Moses wasn't just talking to moms and dads. He was talking to the entire nation of Israel to do this. And if he were to walk in here today, he would be talking to the entire church family. Every one of us expected to have God's commands written on our hearts and to impress them on our kids and to encourage them to come follow Jesus. So I say, church, get involved. (laughs) Jump in. You probably don't know this. Our, our kids' ministry and our student ministry has a great need for more help. So today's Don Willig's birthday, our kids' ministry. Go wish her a happy birthday and say, hey, ha- happy birthday, how can I help? Talk to Austin, our student minister, or, or Tara who, who oversees the nursery. We do need door holders and find out how you can get involved. And listen, th- this is some of the fear that we have. We don't need you to be leaders and teachers. There's so many other ways. There's there's preparing rooms and supplies and greeting and check-in and music and snacks and games. Or or how about just being a prayer partner? It's really simple. You see a kid, pray for a kid. You see some parents and a family, pray for a family. Be a door holder for families to come to Jesus. No matter what, be an encourager. Don't be so quick to bolt after the service. How about finding some kids and giving them a high five? Because they matter. Uh, How about learning their names? Making a point of encouraging them intentionally, right, toward Jesus. Ask them what they're learning about and make a big deal out of them just like Jesus did. Now, don't snatch a bunch of kids up in your lap and like put your hands on them to bless them like Jesus did because that's weird and that will not go well with you. But not just here in the church. You can get involved in in serving in our schools, connecting in your neighbor. Listen, the list of things waging war against our kids' souls is long. So every one of us, every single one of us need to be the greatest cheerleaders that our next generation has, cheering them in coming to Christ. Our kids and our teens are not just the, the, the next generation or the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. The future isn't when they grow up, it's when they show up, and you have an opportunity and a part in that to encourage them. Let me give you two, two ways right now on the spot you can do this. Number one, on March 12th, we're hosting an event for parents of elementary students. It's called Splash. It's really meant to help parents be prepared and help them have conversations with their kids of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Would you pray for parents? Right now, where you are, pray for parents. For those conversations, for their own lives to model what they're talking about, for their humility to confess, I don't have all the answers, but let's learn them together as they disciple their children, bringing them to Jesus. Lord, would you be with them? Would you pray for Splash? Number two, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we have a lot of young people serving here at The Crossing. Even today, there are five teens serving on our worship team in this room. There are at least four others serving in kids' ministry today. Would you encourage them? Would you thank them? <laughs> Would you build them up? Two things, literally, you can start doing today. Church, let's be a, a family of encouragers to everyone, especially parents and kids and families, the next generation of Christ followers. There's a second principle I really want us to engage in this passage that fits perfectly behind encouraged families, and it's this, learn from the little ones. Jesus told his disciples that day, and that's us today, verse 15, that every one of us has to receive the kingdom of God like a little child, or we'll never enter it. I got thinking, well, what is it about kids that make them the pattern for receiving the kingdom? What ought we learn from them? Well, little children are totally dependent. They don't do anything without their parents. They depend on others to provide for their every need. There's no two-year-old chopping vegetables for tonight's dinner. There aren't any four-year-olds filling out W-2s, you know, or whatever it is to provide for themselves. In the same way, you and I are totally dependent on the Lord for everything. And it's when we realize that and know that and embrace that that we're becoming like little children. Children also trust completely. They know food and clothing and a roof and fun and everything in between is, is going to be taken care of. They, they're, they're not skeptical about that. There's no fear or, or doubt but complete trust. We call that faith sometimes, right? And maybe that's the like a little child thing you need to grow down to. How about humility? Kids just aren't proud of their knowledge or success or their virtues. There, they aren't many Pharisees, not yet at least. They don't battle self-righteousness. Kids so easily show us how, how, what simple humility looks like in the face of day-to-day life. Kids are also really teachable, and they ask so many questions, and that's awesome. They, they just, they want, they're always wanting to learn and know more. I, I have the privilege of, of leading chapel at our local Christian school for eighth graders all the way down to preschoolers on Wednesdays. It's so fun. A couple weeks ago, we were actually learning from Mark chapter 10. The first verse talks about how Jesus was going from town to town and the crowds would come and as was his habit, he taught them. And I got stuck on that verse. I said, hey, I asked all of them. I said, if you could ask Jesus one question and get an answer, what would you ask him? My middle schoolers ranged everywhere from, hey, Jesus, why didn't you heal everybody? Uh, Hey, when will the end come? All the way to, are Adams real? And how does popcorn work? my third through fifth grade group was all about heaven. What happens if you fall down in heaven? What will I look like in heaven? Do we become angels when we go to heaven? Are there going to be animals in heaven? Kindergarten through, six, through second grade, I asked the question in one little boy's hand. Caleb, straight. I didn't even get the question out. Boom. He was. Sorry, Caleb, you got an answer? Yeah, like you'd been thinking about this forever. Without a black. what would you ask Jesus? Can I please fly? that's a perfect question that's absolutely the right question or or this favorite there isn't gonna be school in heaven is there (laughs) even my preschoolers had questions what does jesus look like what should i do when my sister hits me because she hits me a lot uh what's the weather gonna be look like is gonna be like in heaven is the giraffe supposed to look like that or is that an accident when's the last time you You wondered about the wonderful things of God and just asked him questions about it. When's the last time you just sat at the feet of Jesus to listen to him and just learn and be in wonder? Being teachable goes right along with being humble. And it's essential to following Jesus like a child. Jesus said we have to receive the kingdom like a little child. A little child knows how to receive a gift, don't they? I mean, they just take it. And maybe their first birthday, they're not really sure what to do with it. And, you know, second birthday, they got a little help. Maybe some siblings are showing them how. By the third birthday, they're just ripping into everything. They know what to do. They, they don't ever, listen, they don't ever question. Kids don't ever question. They're never concerned about whether or not they deserve it. They don't ask that question. They just know how to receive it. And they know how to show love in return. Kids willingly shower the giver with hugs and kisses and thanks and freely understand. They just understand that they love because they were first loved. And Jesus says every one of us has to be more like that. We need to grow down into being like a child, dependent and trusting and humble and teachable, and easily receiving and responding with love. And anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So we better learn from them. Don't ever think a child can't come to God until he is a man. But hear Jesus on this. A man cannot come to God until he's like a child. You ever notice that all throughout Scripture, God seems somewhat determined when it comes to using young people to accomplish some of his most significant purposes? He used a a teenage Jewish girl named Esther to save a nation from from certain destruction. He used Josiah, the the boy king, eight years old, to launch a national revival. He used this shepherd boy named David to, to, to destroy and defeat a giant and trigger a huge military victory over the Philistines. God used Jeremiah, the young prophet, to bring down his wrath on a disobedient nation. I learned this week, I think for the first time, that it's, it's almost absolute that Peter was the only one of the 12 that was older than 20. If you remember when Jesus and Peter came to pay the temple tax, only Peter and Jesus paid it. Nobody else did. And, and if you read about that law in Exodus, it turns out that the law was that only those men 20 years and older pay the temple tax. So Jesus was a student minister going around with a group of teenage boys to eternally impact all the peoples on earth. And Jesus chose a little child to show the world, and more importantly, his disciples, how we're to receive and welcome God. D.L. Moody was a, a preacher from the 1800s, the founder of the Moody Bible Institute, and he is quoted as saying, if I could really relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Church, resolve in your minds now to encourage families and to learn from the little ones. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Would you pray with me? God, you're so good to us. Believe it or not, we're all your children. Don't always feel that way. But Father, I pray you would continue to use this church, this people, to love and to learn from kids. May we never be a stumbling block. Would you, would you even change our minds about how we view families? Sometimes it's way too easy to be skeptical and negative negative especially without knowing what's going on. May we, would you resolve in our hearts and minds today that we would no matter what always be encouragers and even to move us to jumping in, to to serving wherever you want us, whether it be here in this place or in our communities, God, but that we would be encouraging families and their discipleship of their kids. And would you use these precious little ones to teach us that we might be a people who constantly revere kids in our hearts because you love the little children. Forgive us when we forget that. Remind us that we are those little children to you. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information about The Crossing, visit thecrossingde.com or download the mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Music for today's podcast is from artist Sounds Like Sander, under license from soundstripe.com.